This is the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Illumina Genomics Podcast. I'm Paul Broman, and I'm a scientific liaison at Illumina. Every podcast, I'll interview top scientists whose work in genomics is shaping the way we think about science and our world. I recently read a 2016 Nature Reviews genetics article by Byron and colleagues titled Translating RNA Sequencing into Clinical Diagnostics, Opportunities and Challenges. According to the authors, RNA sequencing, or RNA-seq, has enormous potential as a diagnostic platform in human disease. Today, I'm at Cofactor Genomics in St. Louis, Missouri, a company that is developing RNA-seq as a diagnostics platform. I'm here with Dr. Dave Messina, the Chief Operating Officer of Cofactor Genomics. Dave oversees daily operations and leads regulatory strategy, and he discussed the benefits and the challenges in using RNA-seq as a diagnostics platform. We started by discussing his scientific journey to becoming Chief Operating Officer of a genomics startup company. Uh, Hi, Paul. Hi, everybody out there. I'm Dave Messina. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Cofactor Genomics. My scientific journey is uh, uh, started in the University of Chicago uh, with a very talented uh, research cardiologist named Beth McNally, and she taught me uh, all the molecular biology techniques. I actually come in with a computational background and, and realized pretty quickly that if I wanted to get into biology, I would need to, to learn all the, the lab techniques. So, so I started there and then uh, went on to do a master's in genetics at Washington University, where I was involved in the Human Genome Project and met uh, John and Jared, the, uh, the other two principals at Cofactor. And, um, and then I eventually uh, did my PhD in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, with Eric Sonhammer, doing computational biology research there. DNA is already used in some genetics-based diagnostics testing platforms. Dave discussed the potential benefits of using RNA-based diagnostics. We are building the next generation of disease diagnostics, and we're using RNA to do that. RNA is different from DNA, right? And so most people think about genetic testing or diagnostic tests involving DNA. And DNA is very useful in many ways, but it has certain limitations that RNA doesn't have. DNA doesn't really change over the course of your lifetime. So the DNA that you were born with is, for the most part, the DNA that you have today. RNA, on the other hand, changes and is more of a, an indicator of what's going on in your body right now, and so, or in, in different tissues in your body at a particular moment in time. And so it can tell you about what's happening right now in your body. Whereas DNA, in in looking at disease, DNA can only give you an estimate of your hereditary risk that you will someday develop the disease. RNA can give you a readout of whether you're actually developing disease right now. DNA and RNA molecules are structurally different, and RNA is typically less stable than DNA. I asked Dave if there were unique challenges in using RNA in a diagnostics platform. Absolutely. So, Just from a technical perspective, there are a number of challenges for using RNA that uh, don't exist for DNA. Um, This is what we've been really working on for the last several years. So for one, RNA as a molecule is less stable than DNA. We all think of the the famous DNA, the double-stranded helix. RNA is a single strand, and and that single-strandedness actually makes it uh, more susceptible to uh, damage or or decay. Uh, Related to that, when trying to extract RNA from clinical samples, 
often clinical samples are not uh, fresh. You're often preserving them in a way that is used for pathologists. And so to preserve, a, uh, say, a, a, a tumor biopsy for a pathologist, what is normally done is to put it in a preservative and then encase it in wax. And the preservatives in the wax actually uh, damage the, the DNA and RNA in there. And so being able to get out a usable RNA sample from that is a big challenge. And that's something else that we've put a lot of time into. Small amounts of DNA and RNA can be amplified by using various PCR-based molecular techniques. However, Dave discussed the unique challenges in amplifying and analyzing RNA. Certainly when we're talking about very small amounts of material, as you would normally get from a clinical sample, you want to be able to amplify it, but you also have to be careful not to amplify it too much. So with DNA, you can make as many copies as you want, more or less. Well, for, for, for some applications, you want to be cautious about that, but even more so for RNA, where you care about the relative levels of, of different genes being turned on or off, and, and you want to make sure that you don't uh, amplify more of one than the other, for example, and, and so change that ratio. And so we actually have put a lot of effort into developing ways to combat those biases, both on the molecular side and more importantly on the software side as well, so that we know that we are correctly measuring the, the amounts of different genes uh, that were there in the original sample. Dave described how high-throughput RNA sequencing has helped enable the cofactor genomics business model. Equally important, cofactor's computational developments have allowed them to leverage this massive amount of sequencing data. What makes biology uh, so exciting right now, I think, is the combination of multiple very high-energy um, technologies. So you have the huge growth in our sequencing capabilities, so just generating the data. We have a lot of activity in the part upstream of, of sequencing, so being able to access ever more challenging sample types, like we talked about, the clinical samples are very hard to work with. But then the other piece of it that I think goes hand in hand with all this molecular and sequencing technology is the software capability. So we've really tried to focus on that piece as well. And I think there's been a huge amount of developments in and out of Cofactor and in taking this, this data, all this massive data that we can generate and putting it in context. After the sequence is generated, what can we do to make that actionable? Illumina has thought a lot about broadening the possible applications. What we think about a cofactor is really driving the context in the clinical setting for, for diagnostics and drug development tools. And so that's that piece of it. Uh, the computational piece uh, has really made this data more useful. Cofactor Genomics aims to develop multiple applications for their RNA diagnostic technology, but they decided to focus first on cancer. We see a lot of uh, applications for the technology that we've developed, but we are starting with cancer as a, a focus area, and particularly in the area of immunotherapy. This is a really exciting part of biology that has garnered a lot of attention recently, and it's the ability of drugs to be able to stimulate the body's own immune system to fight, uh, fight a cancer. There are a lot of challenges in that area, and particularly in understanding what's going on inside the tumor microenvironment. And so one of the technologies we've developed, which we call Paragon, uh, is aimed at giving better information about what's going on inside that tumor microenvironment. The United States spent $3.2 trillion on healthcare in 2015 alone. 
Dave discussed how better diagnostic tools could potentially reduce the cost of healthcare in the future. Well, today, how are, how are cancer patients treated? So you have a, a menu of possible treatments that for a particular cancer, you're, you're really, each patient uh, for the most part is treated like the average patient. One of the opportunities for personalized medicine is to not just treat a patient as the average case where you're choosing the treatment approach, the drug that works most of the time in most people, but instead you're looking at that particular patient and saying, what is their particular version of, say, lung cancer? And what is the right treatment for that particular patient? So this does two things. One, you're not wasting money, these very expensive treatments on, on using the wrong drug, but also you're treating the patient with the right medicine faster, which is a, a huge win. And so if you can give them the right medicine faster, they will hopefully heal faster. If you can do that, then the, then the cost should be lower. So, so diagnostics like the ones we're developing at Cofactor, we believe have a, an opportunity to really make a difference in, in bringing the overall cost of treatment down. I asked Dave to discuss the biggest challenges for young startup organization like Cofactor Genomics and how these challenges might be overcome. I think we're blessed with a tremendous team uh, here at Cofactor. Uh, we have uh, just such uh, dedicated and talented scientists working here, and, and really our whole organization is driving you know, towards, towards our goals uh, and this mission of, of really democratizing RNA-based diagnostics. With any small company, right, it's, there are challenges in building and growing, um, and we certainly have our share of those. But I think one of the things that we look to is how to partner with the right external folks who uh, will, uh, will be interested in, in using our technology and really help develop it. And so you know, we've been reaching out to uh, you know, external collaborators at institutions around the world um, but we'd always love to, to collaborate more with, with folks both in academic institutions and at drug development companies who are interested in harnessing this technology. So I think that's, that's one of the great challenges that, that we have and we hope to uh, improve on by you know, talking in forums like this to, to get the word out and let people know that if they're interested in collaborating with us and working uh, to apply our technology to, to their situation in immunotherapy or with their patients to, to reach out. I asked Dave to discuss what excited him about the future of genomics. Wow, there's so much. It's such an exciting time to be in biology, and there's so many different ways in which people are using NGS technology. Um, certainly for us, it's, it's really being able to drive this further and further um, into the clinic and really making a, a difference in people's lives and in the treatment of disease. Because the pace of, of innovation in NGS has been so rapid, I think we're actually here and in the position to do that a lot sooner than many people think or thought, including myself. You know, you can see down the, the horizon only a, a little ways when things are moving that fast. One of the analogies I like to make is to the personal computer. You know, remember what a personal computer looked like in, in 1987. If we compare a 1987 IBM PS2 desktop computer with a 2017 Apple iMac computer, it's obvious that rapid advances in computer technology have occurred over the past 30 years. If cars developed at the same pace, a 2017 Ford Mustang would go from 0 to 60 miles per hour in 0.1 seconds. It would get about 45,000 miles per gallon 
and it would cost $2,500. We're kind of in the same place. We're kind of in 1987 in terms of the power of this technology. And so if you can try to look forward and think about what it's going to be like 30 years from now and how different it is today than it was in 1987, I think that's kind of a good way to get a sense of the scale of change we're going to see. If you're trying to extrapolate back from that, maybe the three to five year horizon is something that's a little bit more easy to, to see. But even that, you know, we, we expect to see a lot of a change and, and real, real benefit um, just in, in a few years. Finally, Dave and I discussed entrepreneurship and science. I asked if he had any advice for young or senior investigators out there who might be thinking about starting a biotech company. Do it. I think that it is, it is a difficult decision in a sense in that it's, it is a challenging career choice. But I also think that the people who are starting to think about that maybe already know that that's maybe something that's going to fit their personality. Uh, for scientists today, I think it's never been a better time to strike out on your own and be, become an entrepreneur. We know that the number of academic positions is, is probably not going to grow appreciably, and the number of scientists certainly is. And so uh, it's an opportunity to really take what you've learned in your training and apply it much more rapidly than you might be able to otherwise. I think for me personally, that's one of the things that's so appealing. Our ability to, to do basic research, to create new knowledge today, particularly in an area like biology that's growing so fast, is uh, astounding. It is harder though, I think, to translate that new knowledge into an application. We, we're doing a lot more of the former and a lot less of the latter, I think, even today. And so one of the things that starting a company gives you the opportunity to do is take some of that accumulated knowledge and actually put it to work. And I think that's something very powerful and exciting about that. And it would be a great opportunity to, to flex your, your scientific muscles in a, in a different direction. Dave, thanks very much for joining us on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Thanks so much, Paul, and I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. And please encourage your audience to, to reach out uh, if they're interested in, in learning more from, from me uh, or Cofactor Genomics. Uh, we're easily findable at cofactorgenomics.com. So RNA sequencing has the potential to improve disease diagnostics and to possibly lower the cost of cancer treatment someday. But that's all for now. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of our interviews with genomics experts. Join me next time when I'll be discussing the training, education, and application of bioinformatics in genomics with Drs. Obi and Malachi Griffith from Washington University in St. Louis, here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Mm-hmm.